0: Bad Carlson, Carlson, Carlson. hoi, här kommer Carlson, 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 Ingen, faktiskt, Ingen, Annan, Carlson, Carlson, division. Carlson, Carlson, som Carlson, 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 Carlson. Yo, yeah. Carlson. Yes! It's back. back! And so are we! Welcome, everybody! Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who at one point own Eric Carlson in their keeper pools! I'm your host, Elon Dubrovsky. Big week this week. Some of you are heading into your fantasy hockey finals, and this is going to be your last chance to get some advice from us. So, like I said, Elon Dubrovsky with me, the guy who's going to give the advice, Brian calm Well, we're both going to give
1: advice. We're both going to share our listeners' successes and failures elon at first i thought it was talk like a pirate week there i thought you you had missed your chance to do that uh, great opening yes i really appreciate you mustering so much enthusiasm to open the show when you're on the you're on the precipice of this being a terribly crushing week for you fantasy wise
0: all right well you didn't have to bring that up yes I've been updating the patrons every day with my matchup against Brian. We unfortunately had to face each other in a semifinals matchup because Brian decided to be lazy and not come second in the league and only start trying near the end. So he ended up falling in the standing. So I won the president's trophy. I have to play him in the semifinals and it looks like he's going to beat me. I could give a bunch of excuses right now. Talk about all the bad luck I've had, all the mistakes I've made. But whatever. Brian obviously is very smart. I couldn't lose to a smarter guy. And who knows if the Rangers get a couple of power play goals, I have the whole top power play or the forwards there at least. So maybe there's still a chance, but I'm not counting on it. I still have one league that I'm in, Brian, our joint league. I'm going to win that for us. So we'll still both be getting wins next week. But okay, no one cares about that. They want to hear about all of the fantasy news and all the players we want to talk about this week. We've got a huge slate, so many exciting outjuries. Of course, some bummer injuries, but maybe that opened up the doors for some players that you might want to add for a spot start for this last week. We've got, you know, players on hot streaks, cold streaks. Before we get to all of that, let's mention that we are presented by DobberHockey.com. It's the best fantasy hockey website out there. Now's the time. If you're in your fantasy hockey playoffs and you're not using every edge you can to beat your opponent, then you're not doing it right. Like, you have to be reading the daily ramblings on DobberHockey.com. You could have read that Brock Besser was going to be called up and was probably going to score a goal like he did. I'll bet you the Dobber Hockey readers or, you know, the patrons of keeping Carlson, who saw. Cameron's Sposio, you know, they had the heads up. Everyone else didn't. So definitely you need to check out DabberHockey.com. Plus, of course, you got the starting goalies and the line combinations. Crucial data to make your fantasy hockey decisions.
1: Yeah, if you're not reading the ramblings, chances are your opponents are. Don't give them that edge. Head over to DobberHockey.com. Make use of everything at your disposal there. Or is it at their disposal?
0: Just make use of it. Okay, Brian, let's get Started. I want to start with some outjury, some big name players coming back that maybe were dropped in your league because someone didn't have room in their IR. And so they're like, whatever, this guy's probably not even gonna be back in time for the regular season. I'm actually gonna be suggesting later on for some guys who are injured that it's time for you to drop them because it's way too late for them to come back to help you. But okay, some guys that you might be able to grab in free agency. We have to start in Buffalo with Kyle Okposo Returned yesterday after missing 10 games with a rib injury. Had a great return, two assists, one on the power play, took two shots. In you know, Buffalo had this five to win over Toronto. And we'll obviously talk about the fall All out on the Toronto side because they had a really bad injury. But let's focus on Buffalo. This brings Ocposo to 45 points in 64 games, which is a 58-point pace. Brian, is that more, less, or the same as what you were expecting from Kyle Ocposo? I feel like going into the year, I would have thought, yeah, probably 60 points. So maybe 58 is a little low. But obviously, we're talking, you know, one goal less or or more. Do you think that, like, moving into next year and obviously just for this next week, does Ocposo have upside for more? Like, could he be a 65, 70-point guy? I remember he had that big breakout where he was like a 70-point guy playing with John Tavares a few years ago on the Islanders. But do you see him basically as a 60-point guy? Or do you think there's more that we can expect from Kyle Poser moving forward?
1: Your characterization of his big breakout season is very popular amongst people who are thinking of Kyle Poser. But I'm going to point out in a moment that it's not necessarily true. First off, to answer your question, I think what he's done is about what we'd hoped for in Buffalo. Optimistically, we could hope for more, but I think a lot of people had really tempered their expectations with Okposo leaving the Islanders and all the trepidation that surrounded it. Did he need Tavares to produce? Could the Islanders easily replace him with Ladd and make it look like Okposo was just an unspecial player that would just be average elsewhere? The curiosity was that he was a 70-point player over the last two seasons he played with the Islanders, but he saw different line mates, in those two years. One of those, as you said, Elon, he spent attached at the hip to John Tavares along with Josh Bailey as the most common third piece on that line. The other season, he spent more time with Franz Nielsen and Nikolai Kulaman, and still was able to be a 70-point player. So I'm satisfied with what I've seen from him. However, I personally was expecting a little bit more from him, even if other poolies weren't Uh, 60 points with Ryan O'Reilly is a pretty good way to go though for his first year in Buffalo I do think he can do better and there's a low IPP telling me that it's very possible that backs me up a little bit 65 points would be really nice next year though him about to turn 29 years old could mitigate the effects of any bounce back that he does push forward on I would love for my opponents next year to value Okposo as a 55, 60 point guy. And then I can swoop in on him as a low end, quote unquote, 60 to 65 point guy who still has upside for 70. The one thing that we'll need to look out for going into next season, though, is whether anyone not on Eichel's line can have that highest ceiling. Right now, Akposo isn't in that position and you don't have to look any further than Winnipeg, where Brian Little is still good. But he's not playing with Shifley and so his upside has a ceiling. It takes a bit of a hit just due to deployment and being on the de facto second line. I wonder if next year Eichel's line is the de facto first line, and if Okposo stays with O'Reilly, maybe his upside, his ceiling becomes limited that way. But of course, that's a discussion to have heading into training camp next year. For now, I'm happy with what Okposo offered.
0: I still think he's got more to give. Okay, and yeah, I mean, just like everyone else, I feel like you're not giving enough credit to Ryan O'Reilly for being the type of guy that you can play with and get really good numbers. Plus, OCPOSO is going to be on that top power play, you'd assume, this year, next year, with Eichel O'Reilly. Reinhardt, Raz just in. Anyways, like you said, we'll talk about it over the summer and in the summer series about what we think about Akposo and all the different Sabres. Let's focus on this week. What does this return of Akposo mean for the Sabres? First of all, it's good news for Sam Reinhardt, who gets to get back on a line with good players. He was back on the Eichel line in the last game. And he assisted on a goal on Eichel's goal yesterday. So obviously when you're playing with Jack Eichel, we'll get to him in a sec. You're probably going to get some points. And actually Tyler Ennis got to join Akposo and Ryan O'Reilly on, I guess, the top line or second line. And Ennis had two assists yesterday and he was actually three assists in his last three games so here are the lines overall we got Enes Ocposo O'Reilly Eichel Reinhardt and Marcus Foligno and Marcus Foligno you know is on a decent line you know who knows if he'll be able to get points but he always gives you hits so he's good then like Gianta Evander Kane and Rodriguez so I guess Evander Kane is the loser here though he's still able to give you so many shots as we saw yesterday and then like I said the regular forwards on the top power play but Buffalo did have a different d-man on the top power play let's get to that in a sec but just to wrap that up I would say good news for Sam Reinhardt that Akposo is back because Reinhardt gets to go and jump up and play with Jack Eichel and then also good news for Ennis who plays Akposo and O'Reilly so those are some deep guys you may want to look at if they're available in your league and you know Buffalo plays Monday Tuesday next week who knows if maybe you would want to just grab one of those guys for two games and then drop them but another guy you might want to add is the new defenseman on the top power play because Razzler Ristolainen was suspended for three games for his hit on Jake Gensel which led to a concussion and Ristolainen won't be back until Sunday of next week so that's two games Monday and Tuesday for a new defenseman to be on that star-studded top power play. And yesterday, the big winner, the guy who got to play on power play one with Okposo, Eichel, O'Reilly, and Reinhardt was not Zach Bogosian. It wasn't Jake McCabe. It wasn't Cody Franzen, who I know Brian would have wanted it to be, except he's actually injured. But it was actually Dmitry Kulikov well, like totally unexpected. There were people wondering like, on our Patreon only Facebook group who was going to get that top power play spot, and it was probably going to be between Bogosian and McCabe. That was the general thinking. But no, Kulikov, and he took advantage yesterday. He scored a power play goal, and he had a power play assistant. Two power play points. Obviously, being on the top power play is a great situation, even for a guy who only now has four points on the entire season. Those were his third and fourth points, and he gets them this late in the year. Brian, is this a situation where you need to jump on for those two games where to Dmitry Kulikov is going to be on the top power play like is he gonna almost for sure get at least one power play point I'd assume Buffalo's going to score at least one power play goal and there's a good chance that whoever the defenseman is is going to get in on that like has Kulikov even ever been a top power play defenseman before I'm just curious to know if he's actually going to stick there and if you think there's a decent chance that he can get at least one power play point if not two over these two games on Monday and Tuesday
1: at the very outset of his career there was some hope in Florida that he could be a reasonably offensive player and it's not like he's never been he was once On pace for 39 points in a year, and he's twice scored 10 power play points in a season. But on the whole, there's really no offensive potential that we've seen borne out from him. Take into account the last three and a half seasons he's played; he has 58 points in 266 games, which is like, oh, maybe that's okay if you're just thinking about it. But actually, if you break it down, Kulikov is on a 17-point pace over the last four years. But at the same time, to help negate whatever pace he's been personally on lately Uh, the Sabres believe it or not have the top ranked power play in the NHL so far this season so why not grab the point man on it and see if you can get something out of him especially if your league is real thin on free agent defenseman options I know Kulikov has not been offensive lately he has been offensive before not like all out star defenseman offensive but still offensive to some extent and this is a great opportunity on the league's top ranked power play for
0: him to at least try to contribute okay so yeah definitely someone to consider maybe you might want to check the practice lines before you jump on that ad like after you listen to this podcast before the Sabres game starts maybe just check to confirm that Kulukov is still on that top power play
1: and then Elon before we move on I want to circle back just to I was wrong about Tyler Ennis let's be uh be upfront about that he had a pretty good week when I said like I wouldn't want anything to do with him which is true I still feel that way but I probably should have been a little more open to the idea that he could play well over a very short stretch and you did mention that Evander Kane is, like, the loser in this scenario. Uh, And looking at the line combos, I can't blame you. But, again, he grabbed a goal on eight shots last night, doing big things for a lot of people's fantasy weeks, including my own. I think I would still, and tell me if you disagree, Len. I think I'd still prefer him to Ennis and Reinhardt. Maybe Reinhardt's a little hard, but we've been waiting on Reinhardt so often this season. I don't know. And, like, Brian Gionta still seems to be an okay guy to be
0: playing with. Yeah, you know, especially if your league counts shots, it's hard to not go with Evander Kane. Like you said, he had eight shots yesterday. That could swing a whole category. Well, I mean, you'll probably need more than eight shots in a week, but you know what I mean. Like, that's a huge contribution. It's going to take Sam Reinhardt or Ennis like two or three games to approach that. So, yeah, I don't disagree with you. Maybe Reinhardt's the one you want if you're looking for power play points because he's on that top power play. So maybe it depends a little bit on what you're looking for. Uh, One other thing I want to mention about Buffalo, this is more just a general fantasy strategy thing. Let's say you're in your fantasy hockey finals tomorrow and it's a one-week matchup. Buffalo plays Monday, Tuesday, and they don't play again until Sunday. So even though I said you might want to jump on some of these guys from Monday, Tuesday, also don't be shy to drop one of these stars later in the week. Like Kyle Ocposo and Ryan O'Reilly are really great. But if you could stream someone who's playing two or three games between Wednesday and Saturday instead of one of those guys, then I'm not sure it's worth holding on to them. So it gets crazy at this time in the year where you're dropping like a Kyle Locke Poso for a Patrick Eves or whatever. But you got to do what you got to do. Don't like just hold them just because you want to get that one game on Sunday. Like do the math and see if it even works out for you. The one guy on Buffalo who I might even hold on to All throughout the week from Wednesday to Sunday just to get one game out of that would be Jack Eichel because he has been so amazing he's now up to 53 points in 53 games two goals and one assist yesterday just an insane season for Eichel after coming back from his injury so you never know you might get like three more points from him in even just that one game at the end of the week
1: very good point Elon yeah don't be shy let go of your superstars the guy you'd hang on to all season long if they're not gonna play another game for you or just one more I remember Elon, like I was looking at my past championship teams. I don't know, at some point, not this isn't something I do every week or anything, I swear. But uh, over on Yahoo, like in some old pools, like they're still archived and I could see and my rosters were like unrecognizable. And that's because I dropped like all my really important namesake players for those really important starts to put me over the top towards the end of the week. Be, it's not even risky.
0: I was gonna say be risky. It's not risky. Just be smart about it. Yeah, and Ben is asking here in the chat room, are most leagues final this week? Well, no, so there's two weeks left in the season, but a lot of leagues, and the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantrax League, we also went with this. A lot of leagues don't want to go until the actual final week of the season because it's a bit unfair because a lot of teams in the NHL are sitting their superstars preparing for the real NHL playoffs. You know, Crosby often sits out in the last week. So it just seems like an unfair week to determine the championship of your league when all the star players or some of them are going to be sitting. So that's why next week is going to be the final week for a lot of leagues. But don't worry, Ben, will still be back with an episode episode next sunday to preview the final week even though a lot of leagues will be over
1: and speaking of finals in the cupful Elon, i'm going to report leading with not very many games left to go and a lot of ground to make up uh jeff the owner of the chiefs is currently winning the top division in sweden we'll confirm all this for next week and congratulate all our cupful winners then but it's been a very very exciting year for us in the cupful
0: Well, Brian, I don't know why you say there's not a lot of games to go. There's a whole week to go. They still have double the games. Oh, I totally
1: forgot. I thought this was the end of the second week. Good luck to you, Jeff and Ricard.
0: Sorry to count you out, Ricard. (laughs) Yeah, it's very exciting. This is going to be the first ever ultimate cacouple champion between Jeff and Ricard. One of you is going to be very well deserving as you've both came in the top two of your cacouple division last year. And actually, that's not true for Jeff because he uh, won the lottery to go from tier two to tier three. But regardless, no one cares about that. But good luck to you guys. And we'll give you your due congrats next week. I want to go to another outtory. Brian, Mark Stone returned for the Sens yesterday versus Montreal. No points, but three shots in the 3-1 to loss. But, you know, he's Mark Stone. He's great. He's going to give you above a 60-point pace, I would assume. Obviously, in a single week, you never know. But overall, he's a superstar like we talked about earlier in the year before he got injured. The Sens lines yesterday were Bobby Ryan... Zach Smith and Kyle Turris, then Hoffman, Peugeot, and Pyatt, and then Brassard, Burroughs, and Stone. And then Burroughs was moving on and off that line with Brassard and Stone. So I don't know exactly. It seems like the Sens are sort of moving a lot of players around and trying to get a full top nine. But they were running Hoffman, Ryan, Stone, Turris on the top power play with, of course, Eric Carlson. So I would assume that Mark Stone would be a good guy to add though brian interestingly we dropped stone in our joint league because we only have one ir plus spot and we also had kyle ocposo and so we had to decide who to hang on to and who to drop for important playoff matchups we dropped mark stone he actually still hasn't been added yet and i think one of the reasons is that ottawa has a bad week next week like the schedule isn't great they play tuesday thursday saturday and those are all three super busy days for the nhl so brian if we picked up mark stone we wouldn't actually be gaining any games like we'd be basically picking him up to just sit someone on those days and play mark stone instead of and since we only get three ads a week i just kind of felt like why should i use one of our three ads to pick up a 65 point guy just so we could bench say a 55 point guy you know we get an extra say 10 point potential per game if that makes sense as opposed to you know picking someone up like on chicago like richard panic or someone on st louis you know one of these teams that plays monday wednesday friday sunday you're gonna get a lot more games so it's very exciting that mark stone's back but i don't know like obviously if you have him already on your team, definitely bring him out of IR and throw him on your roster cuz he's probably better than a lot of guys, but if you have move limits, I I don't know, Brian, I'm not rushing to grab Mark Stone, maybe we'll grab him on Saturday if he's still available by then cuz we do have an open spot for him then. It's amazing that he's still available
1: in our league. I feel like the other teams could have should have used him, but I agree with you. If he's going to be benched next week or he's going to get in fewer games than uh, someone else who puts up a similar point pace, then you can probably leave him be. This is crazy, though. How many leagues is this happening in? Although maybe it's a move, Elon, like you were saying, to be okay to drop your star players if they're not going to play for you. This is one of those moves. If you are worried, though, that he returned and didn't score a goal, uh, don't worry too much about it. This is saying about not wanting to go up against Carey Price on a Saturday night, and there's actually truth to it. He's got a 92-31-18 and record and a 9.31 save percentage when playing to the Hockey Night in Canada crowd. He's also a 9.28 on Tuesdays, by the way, for what that's worth. And no other day of the week has him above a 9.16 save percentage. But anyway, uh, this is what Mark Stone ran into in his return. And so I'm obviously unconcerned at him having no point in his return. He actually offered a bonus shot above average. He had three shots on goal instead of two. So that's nice.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Mark Stone. But, you know, Carey Price was going to stop that shot. That's crazy. So basically, you're saying his whole career has been built up on Tuesday and Saturday games. The rest he's just like an average goalie. Sit Carey Price if it's not a Tuesday or Saturday. Well, I wish I did last Thursday when he lost 4-1 to to Carolina. Maybe I would have won another goalie category and flipped our matchup, Brian. Why didn't you tell me this earlier? Well, obviously, you had good reason to. By the way, since we're on the stands, I got to throw out a fun fact about Eric Carlson that I'll bet most of our listeners haven't realized eric carlson this is not a lie and i had to look this up to confirm this when i was told this by patron thomas in the facebook group eric carlson leads the nhl in blocks this year it's true i looked it's true it's insane he has 199 blocks in 74 games in second place is chris russell with 189 blocks so 10 blocks behind of course chris russell was injured for a while so it's only in 61 games so russell has a higher blocks per game average but whatever with seven games left for russell and eight for carlson and actually Ottawa plays five games in the final week, it's possible that Eric Carlson could hold on and not only have another amazing offensive season, but lead the freaking league in blocks. What can't this guy do? Insane.
1: Yeah, it is pretty insane. I think it's equally insane that the Ottawa Senators are asking their star elite defenseman, who the team would crumble without, to put his body in front of shots on a regular basis and to risk that kind of injury. But clearly there's this whole narrative in Ottawa that everyone's bought into Guy Boucher's system. It's a real team effort and there are no exceptions. So good for him. If this doesn't get him a Norris, I don't know what will. Doing so great in the point scoring and shot blocking categories. Elon, blocks only league. Who would you rather have, Chris Russell or Eric Carlson?
0: Well, okay, Chris Russell. Like I said, Russell has more blocks per game. That's a silly question. But but you could have Eric Carlson, the name value. Oh, just to say I have him. Yeah, like it wouldn't be a horrible choice. That's for (laughs) sure. Plus, I feel like Chris Russell's more likely to potentially get healthy scratched in an important matchup. Like Eric Carlson's never gonna get scratched. So who knows? Maybe there's an argument to be made. Okay, another outjury Brian... Let's talk about another defenseman. Not as good as Eric Carlson, but still really good. Jacob Truba returned on Friday for the Jets versus Anaheim after missing five games with his upper body injury. Winnipeg actually plays today at eight. So the game has started. We could keep track maybe and see if Truba does anything. Anyways, the timing was actually kind of perfect for the Jets in in a sad way as Dustin Bufflin was held out of the game with a lower body injury that he sustained the day before versus LA and Bufflin's also out today. We don't know yet how long he'll be out. So you would think, okay, even better for Truba who's going to jump and play like top minutes and get top power play. He did play top minutes. He played 29 minutes minutes and 18 seconds in his return no points no shots no blocks but he had five hits for what it's worth but so you want more from jacob true but just his first game back anyways he actually only had 50% of the power play time and he was out with the Ealers line a little patan unit, which I think is the second unit on Winnipeg. The D-man playing with Scheifele, Wheeler, Matthew Perot, and Adam Lowry was none other than Josh Morrissey, the guy we brought up last week as a surging D-man worth looking at in multi-cat leagues. And Morrissey took advantage of this extra power play time on Fridays. he scored a power play goal. He took two shots. He blocked five shots. So Josh Morrissey, like now it becomes interesting. You would think just jump on Jacob Truba ASAP if you can, know that he's back and Bufflin is out. But I wonder with Bufflin out, if he stays out, let's say... Who do you like better between Truba and Morrissey for the rest of the season in a multi cat league? Like, I would say Truba will get more points and give decent peripherals compared to Morrissey, who's mainly just good for peripherals. But if Morrissey is able to actually be the one who gets more power play time, I don't know. Maybe that shifts it. I still think I'd take Truba. What about you?
1: Yeah, I think I will take Truba over Morrissey just for steadiness. But if Morrissey stays in that role, then he certainly has the better upside if you want to chance it. Morrissey's position is of course only temporary at this point but keep monitoring Bufflin's injury we've seen him go day to day for long periods of time at the end of a season before so there's a precedent here
0: yeah and plus I remember one year Brian the year that we lost our joint league the only time that happened I recall Dustin Bufflin got suspended in our finals week which was really annoying and there wasn't a room for him in an IR plus spot or anything and we had to hold on because he was a keeper so it was just the biggest disaster I hate that guy And finally, but then we held on to him and he helped us win last year. So then I loved him again. And then finally this year, we traded him for John Tavares. And now our opponent that we're going to play next week might be the guy we made the trade with. So if Bufflin's out, that'll be kind of funny. And I'm going to trash talk about it in the forum. My memory of Bufflin losing our joint team's fantasy
1: season is him and Stafford being on the ice for minus in the last minute on an empty net goal against Winnipeg. So maybe he did a lot of things to us that week.
0: Well, he can't hurt anyone right now. except for just having an open spot on their roster that they were hoping that Bufflin would be filling. Oh, it's so sad looking at our chat room right now. Everyone's talking about all of their injured players. Line is out with an illness today. Garrett's saying his day-to-day is going to kill him tonight. I'm seeing something about Connor Shiri, Brian, we're going to have to check in on this Connor Shiri might be injured. I'll, I'll check that before. We actually have some Penguins talk coming. So we'll ch- that would be a huge disaster. Man, Gensel and Shiri both down brutal. And Jade is saying it's her birthday and she loses Shiri. So sad. Okay, so we were talking about Winnipeg. Keep in mind, by the way, Winnipeg is kind of like Ottawa. They have a boring schedule Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So you might be getting excited about Josh Morrissey now that we're talking about him. But make sure before you add him that you'll actually fit him into your lineup. You don't want to add him and then turn out you don't have space. Like I did Brian today in our matchup because I like went crazy this morning for some reason added Martin Hansel even though I didn't have any center spots open. Ridiculous. Anyways, Brian, okay, here's another X versus Y player for you. I know you love these. Curious to know, who would you rather have for the rest of the season between Brian Little and Matthew Perot? Like, you would think Little's the obvious choice. He's the guy who's probably been on most people's rosters all year. Matthew Perot's always a free agent that we always talk about as someone you might want to add. But Perot has been playing on a line with Shifley and Wheeler and has eight points in his last five games. He is literally on fire. Actually, that is a stupid thing to say. He's not literally on fire that would be something that we should look into. But no, he's been so great. Meanwhile, Little is on the line A line, which is very good, but he's gone cold. He's gone scoreless now in three games, which is a short time span, but also there's only three games left, potentially, in your playoffs. So I'm curious to know if someone has Brian Little and Matthew Perot is available and they really want to have a Winnipeg Jet, I wonder if it's time to just make that swap. So, like,
1: to draw the analogy, first off, happy birthday, Jade. You just mentioned that she said it's her birthday. Isn't that sad? Happy birthday, um, also, going back to the analogy of Truba and Morrissey, I think Little is the Truba here and Perot is the Morrissey in the sense that he's hotter, he could have the higher upside. But I trust Little to be able to produce more consistently, like to, no matter where he is in the lineup. Uh, maybe a shakeup is coming though, if Liney is out, which he is. So we'll see how the lines look that may help offer clarity in seeing if one of these guys is in significantly worse company. Now that Line A is out of the lineup. But if everything stays as is, like if Liney comes back before long, I think I will follow the hot hand and stick with Perot. I think again little is a better player, but Perot is still good himself and in a great position. So yeah, it hurts. Like I I you know, I love both players. I think I would stick
0: with Perot though, going on that top line. Hopefully, Liney's back soon. Yeah, top line and top power play. By the way, everyone here in the chat room is giving me crap for not wishing <laughs> Jade happy birthday. Hey, Jade, what would you prefer? I wish you happy birthday or I give you fancy hockey advice. Come on. Though, actually, you're, have both. Gonna, you're actually going to be eliminated today. So you probably don't care about my fancy <laughs> advice. So uh, a happy birthday. That's way good. to rub it in. <laughs> okay, next, ouchery. Well, I wanted to say that Dan Girardi returned to the Rangers yesterday. Well, it's true. He did return to the Rangers yesterday versus the Kings. But apparently he's out again today. We don't know if the injury has been aggravated or what anyways I was only going to mention it because Dan Girardi is the kind of guy that you might want to look at in a blocks league like he's not a huge fantasy impactful guy he did actually get an assist yesterday on Rick Nash's empty net winner and he picked up two blocks so I was going to say to keep an eye on him but if he's injured obviously forget about him in bigger news though the Rangers will be getting Henrik Lundqvist back from his hip injury today versus the Ducks the game starts at 9 it's 8 30 right now so we don't know yet what happened by the time you're listening to this except for those of you live in the chat room you'll know whether Lundqvist blew up or whether he got a shutout Anyways, I wonder if it's time now for Ranta owners to let go and move on to the next shiny object. Like, Ranta had a great game yesterday. He got a shutout versus the Kings, and I'd imagine the Rangers would be quick to switch back to Ranta if Lungfist, you know, struggles because, you know, it's very close to the playoffs, and they don't have time to be grooming Lungfist if they don't think he can handle it, and Ranta has been okay. Like, Ranta did a good job, right, while Lungfist was out. Not a great job, but he did, you know, he did do a good job. He had a few roughish three-goal-against games, but overall, the people who picked him up can't really complain, I'd assume. Unfortunately, he had a lot of three-to-two losses. So a lot of games that maybe he was close to winning but didn't win. Now that Lungfist is back, though, we got to ask, I'm giving you a reason why maybe you hold on to Ranta, but still, I feel like if a guy like Yaroslav Halak is available in free agency, I feel like you've got to make that swap, right?
1: Yeah, I prefer Halak to Ranta. You know, I don't know if the Rangers are going to hurry back to him. Uh, Lungfist has long been a goalie who thrived on a heavy workload, but now he's older and coming off of injury. So I can see this going one of two ways. Either the Rangers start Lundqvist over and over and over to get him in his workhorse rhythm and ready for the postseason that way, or the Rangers start him sparingly so that he can stay healthy and energized for the postseason and be ready for the playoffs that way. Uh, we don't know which tack the Rangers are going to take. So until we do, until we know for sure, or until we know one way or the other, like if Lungfus is going to play all the games or Ranta is still going to be platooned, he still has some potential value till that whole situation is ironed out I think the better question that I wrote down here, Elon, but I think you're going to get to later in the show, is who would I prefer between Ranta and Halak's backup
0: or 1B or crease partner and Thomas Grice? Okay, so let's get that to a litter. We haven't even mentioned that Yaroslav Halak got called up. Obviously, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you know that Halak got called up by the Islanders and got the win against the Penguins. Uh, But we'll get to that later, and then we'll talk about Grice and and Ranta and all of that. I want to stick with outjuries. Let's go to Tampa Bay now. Nemesnikov returned for the Lightning last week after missing a week. He had two points in three games, which isn't bad. But, you know, I don't think he's especially exciting as he's been on a line with Druin and Killorn, and he's not on the top power play anymore. I think the actual big news with Nemesnikov's return is that he didn't knock Braden point from the top line or the top power play and that's great news for the point owners the people who picked him up when they saw that he was getting on the top line and top power play mainly actually because of the tyler johnson injury not because of the Nemesnikov injury but you know he's rewarded his owners so much he has eight points in his last seven games and tampa plays four times next week so i feel like at this point if Braden point is still available he's a must add For the short term, like until we get news that Tyler Johnson is going to be back and Braden Point is going to be off the Kucherov line and power play, I feel like you just have to go and rush and grab Braden Point if you haven't already. Maybe some people who were struggling this week to hang on. Tampa only played their last game on Friday and then they didn't play over the weekend. So, like, I'm an example in my matchup against you, Brian. I had Braden Point, then I dropped him for the weekend because I just needed to get through and I didn't. So now he's available for you, actually, Brian. You should pick him up. Yeah, you
1: outbid me for point earlier in this week. And if you do somehow pull out the win, and I was actually just doing the rough calculations, Elon, it's definitely in play. This matchup is in play, it's not over. Uh, you would have his performances this week to thank. He's an absolute must add. I like him a bit more than a guy like Matthew Perot just because of how freaking hot Nikita Kucherov is lately. Kucherov has four straight multi point games in which he has scored seven goals two assists, three power play points, and taken 18 shots on goal. In case he lost focus while I was saying all that, put another way, Nikita Kucherov has nine points in four games and is averaging more than four shots per game in that span. He must have single-handedly won plenty of matchups this week. I wonder if we've seen a more dominant single-week performance this year than what Kucherov has put up this one. I don't think so. None that I can remember. Unfortunately, of course, like looking forward to next year, this means the secret is probably absolutely out on him. Being a player with point per game potential shouldn't last past the second round of your draft next year. 78 points in 67 games for those of you who haven't been following. He's since sixth in the league in points, but even that doesn't quite do him justice for the season he's having. He is third in points per game. Third in points for sixty is pretty much him, Crosby, Malkin, McDavid leading the way in NHL scoring this year. Nikita Kucherov is awesome. Braden Point centering him
0: is awesome for Braden Point. Yeah, I just actually did a quick search of who is the leading scorer in the NHL over the last two months, over the last sixty days, and it's Nikita Kucherov with thirty-five points in twenty-five games. Second place is Patrick Kane. Third is Brad Marchand. Where are the guys who are actually in the Art Ross race? Next is Backstrom. Next is Eichel. Then comes Connor McDavid with a measly 32 points in 26 games. But obviously McDavid is, I will get to him a bit later, but I'm going to say, I'm going to call it, I think McDavid is going to win the Art Ross this year, even though he's been beaten by all those other guys over the past couple of months. So, Brian, we still have a lot to talk about. We've got a couple very interesting call-ups, including the aforementioned Halak, and then we've got the hot streaks and cold streaks that I've prepared for this week. Before we get to that, let's take a moment to thank the sponsor for this week's episode of Keeping Carlson. Those are our friends at SeatGeek. SeatGeek, it's an app where you buy tickets to games and concerts and events, and whatever you need, you could use the SeatGeek app. Super easy to use, very handy. Anytime you think, oh, you know, I would really love to see... Name a band, Brian. What's a cool band? Um, <laughs> you really put me on the spot there. Now Brian's thinking, I guarantee you, he's thinking, Spoon. oh, well, this band is not cool enough. Oh, this band's too popular. No, no, no. no I just had to think of a band. Spoon. Of Spoon. course. Of course you're going to name a band that 95% of the listeners have never heard of. But sure, even a band as obscure as Spoon, I guarantee you, you're going to be able to find tickets to their concert if they even still tour over on SeatGeek. They just released a new album. They're touring it very, very soon, as a matter of fact. Brian, so Matthew in the chat room said Metallica. That's how you name a band that people <laughs> have heard of. We're doing an advertisement for a company. We need to say something relatable. Okay, but seekek is great because not only when you search for your spoon tickets, they will rank all of the tickets, not only by price, but you can get it ranked by value. So you'll be able to know, yeah, this, this ticket is a little bit more expensive, but it's such a great value because usually it costs so much more it's just one of the many great features over at SeatGeek. I also love how they show you the final price right at the start. You don't have to wait till checkout to see if there's any hidden fees. So check it out, SeatGeek. And if you're not convinced, how about a $20 rebate offer? Brian, why don't you tell our listeners about that? Yeah, that's exactly what they're
1: offering you, Keeping Carlson listener. All you need to do is sign up for a SeatGeek account, enter the promo code KEEPING, and on your first SeatGeek purchase, they're going to send
0: you a check for 20 American dollars. Boom how often do you get a check for American money? It's very exciting if you're a Canadian because you could cash that in and get like 30 bucks. Let's move on, Brian, to talk about some call-ups, some very interesting names. First, a name that everyone will know. Let's talk about Yaroslav Halak, who got called up by the Islanders from AHL Bridgeport on Thursday, Thursday. Halak, of course, had a really bad start to the season. He had like around a 905 save percentage. But when he got sent down, he did really great. He had a 17-7-1 seven record and a 925 save percentage and a 2.15 goals against average. So he definitely earned his call up. And also, I guess Thomas Grice kind of earned Halak being called up. Or maybe say Barube earned the Halak call up. Either way... Halak is back now. He played his first game versus Pittsburgh on Friday and he stopped 37 of 40 shots in a 4-3 shootout win. So a great return for him. I'm sure a lot of people who maybe even wanted to rush to add him maybe for next week, they were still maybe afraid to play him against the Penguins. But those who did play him, like you, Brian, against me, they were very much rewarded. So, okay, what's the situation here on the Islanders? Thomas Grice has been struggling a bit over the past few weeks with a couple especially bad clunkers against Carolina. We'll all remember that 8-4 loss where he got pulled, and he also got pulled in a game against Winnipeg. But, you know, Grice had actually been doing okay with a couple solid starts in the games before Halak was recalled. In fact, Grice played yesterday, and he lost 2-1 to to the Bruins, which isn't so bad, except for the fact that he let in two goals on only 18 shots, so the save percentage doesn't look too great. But I think that still counts as a quality start, right, Brian? Because he let in only two goals. Anyway, so I'm not saying that for sure Halak is like the number one starter and Grice isn't going to do anything. Or maybe I could ask you that question. I'd got to imagine that the Islanders are going to go back to Halak at least on Monday versus Nashville. Then they play on Thursday and Friday versus Philly and New Jersey. So Halak's going to get at least one of those games. And then they play again on Sunday against Buffalo. Maybe Halak gets that game as well. So you could potentially be getting three games from this guy that was for sure dropped in your league when he was sent to the minors. So, if he's somehow still available, I feel like people need to grab Yaroslav Halak, even if it means dumping Ranta, dumping Thomas Grice, like dumping whoever you need. That's like a backup that you can't guarantee you're going to get starts from. Go grab Yaroslav Halak. He's been good in the minors. That's something. Dump
1: everyone for Yaroslav Halak. Oh, okay. Just, just to clarify, Elon, the quality start, if you give up two goals and you don't stop a lot of shots, you need to stop at least 18 and you also need to win the game so uh
0: so it doesn't honest, count he right? didn't have a go- yeah we so didn't have a quality start
1: yeah so no quality start for thomas grice Yaroslav mm-hmm. Halak, though actually you know what let's go let's go back let's go back a little bit the islanders have been doing ridiculous things with their goalies over the last couple years to be able to keep three in their lineup constantly healthy scratching a goalie the third goalie often being jf Barubi, who they claimed off waivers from los angeles a year and a half ago at the start of the 2015-16 season, and who has only appeared in 21 games for the Islanders since then. But they will do anything to keep him with the team, including waving their best goalie, or arguably their best goalie, Jaroslav Halak. And that left them with Grice and their obsession, Barubi, in net. So you would think, like, this is a chance for Barubi to see some action. Nope. We've only seen 14 appearances from him this year. And otherwise, it was all... Thomas Grice. Thomas Grice, who'd never done anything other than split games as a 1B, and that was just last year, he was suddenly now playing nearly every night. You go back to December 31st, he played in 33 of the Isles, 37 games before Halak was called up. That's just four nights off in almost three months. And before Halak took the net on Friday, Grice had started 14 consecutive games. Like, Those are crazy schedules for the biggest and most experienced workhorse goaltenders around the NHL. So no wonder we began seeing diminishing returns in such a laborious stretch from a goalie who never come close to carrying a number one label over an eight year career. Unfortunately for the Islanders, it seems nearly too late for them now, but they've got to be looking to halak at least every other game if they want to feel like they have a chance more often if grace doesn't find his footing and for that reason you need to add yaroslav halak to your fantasy team
0: yeah like for sure he's not going to be immune to blowing up your stats maybe you'll hear this add him for the game against nashville nashville's been scoring a ton of goals and maybe he'll get blown up but if you need a goalie he's been good lately like you know i said in the minors and I think he's worth adding, but, you know, buyer beware. I don't want to say that you should add him and then you blame me if he ends up having, like, four goals against against Nashville tomorrow. But, okay, since we're on the Islanders, Brian, also Ryan Strome is injured. He's out for the rest of the year with a broken wrist, which isn't especially relevant, right? He only has 30 points in 69 games, so a very disappointing season for him, especially since he was on the top power play for most of the year with Tavares, Bailey, Lee, and Nick Letty. So the only real news here is that this opens up a spot on the top power play for the islanders and it's actually andrew lad who's jumped onto the top power play in Strom's spot and i think that's definitely something to watch like lad actually only has one goal and no assists in his last six games but i don't know, call me crazy i have a feeling lad is going to go on a bit of a run to end the season it's just a hunch i don't know why i have this feeling but i like him on the top power play at even strength he's playing with hosang and Beauvillier, which is not great though really no Islanders line is good fantasy-wise, aside from the Tavares, Bailey, and Lee line. Actually, a couple games ago, Ladd bumped Anders Lee from line one. We tweeted about it. I probably got a lot of people excited and convinced them to add Andrew Ladd. Hopefully not, but maybe drop Anders Lee, and that didn't last, right? So in the last game, they were back to Bailey, Tavares, and Lee. So anyways, just worth noting, Andrew Ladd is now on the top power play on the Islanders. He gets you some hits, so if your league counts that, maybe he's worth at least looking at. Add him to your watch list, or maybe just add him. The Islanders play tomorrow.
1: A lot of us are tired, Elon, of waiting for Andrew Ladd to go on a bit of a run. I had that hunch for the first few months. Always thought he was good. Depth pickup, just in case, ready to jump on him at any sign of life. Those hits do give him some value, and maybe playing with Josh Hosang could be a good thing. There's a bit more energy, perhaps, on that line to go for an intangible compared to who he's been playing with most of the year. Anything's possible over the last week, for sure. That's as far as I'm willing
0: to go, though, on Ladd. Okay, and since we're in the call-up section, now let's talk about a few names maybe you haven't heard of. But Brian, do you remember when Jake Gensel was first called up and patron and previous podcast guest Cam Robinson from Dubber Hockey, he called it on the Facebook group. He was like, check out this guy, Jake Gensel. He's going to be really good. He's playing today. I think you should add him. And I remember he had a huge starting game in the league and he ended up doing really well before, unfortunately, he had this concussion, which we'll get to in a sec. Anyways, Cam did it again yesterday. He called his shot with 20-year-old Brock Besser, which is spelled, by the way, B-O-E-S-E-R, if you're going to search for him. Uh, He played his first game with the Canucks after ending his season with the University of North Dakota on Friday. And then he played with the Canucks yesterday, on Saturday, and he scored a goal in his first game. He took four shots. He threw three hits, a great Fantasy line for Brock Besser in his first game. He played on a line with Bo Horvat and Sven So those are decent line mates, only 12 minutes and 43 seconds of ice time and no power play time. But who knows what else are the Canucks playing for? Maybe they could give Brock Besser even an increased role, some more ice time, maybe some power play time. Curious to know, Brian, do you expect him to have an impact on the rest of the season? I know on the Facebook group, A lot of people, especially Cam, is saying he's going to be a huge thing. So in a dynasty league or whatever, like you definitely want to look at him. Maybe you should have already had him. But for people just focusing on like next week, do you think that Brock Besser is someone that people should be adding or at least considering? Of
1: course, you should consider him. Also consider that he had the luck of playing in his debut against Darcy Kemper, who put in a very Darcy Kemper-like performance. Uh, But that might shortchange him like he's a good prospect he's a good guy to be watching it's exciting to see what he can do in his first games I'm sure the adrenaline was going like he went straight from school and finishing his school hockey career straight into the NHL what a rush that must be it's hard for most Canucks though to have a fantasy impact like Henrik Sedin remains a free agent in a lot of leagues but as far as Canucks who can have an impact maybe Besser could be one down the stretch how's that for an endorsement that's about as far as I'm willing to go on Besser But if you're in like a dynasty league and he's somehow available, then absolutely jump on him.
0: Okay. And so maybe I'll ask you to compare him to someone else in a second. By the way, the Canucks are currently up one, nothing on the jets and Edler scored a goal assisted by Horvat and Tanev. So Horvat, that sounds familiar. He plays in a line with Brock Besser. I see Besser is a plus one. So he came close maybe to getting a point. This is what it's like reading box scores. You just assume when he had plus one, maybe anyway, it's good. It's good news that people are scoring goals while he's on the ice great for his i or bad for his ipp right because ipp calculates the percentage of goals when you're on the ice that you got in on here's when he didn't get in on anyway i don't even know what i'm rambling about he's an interesting guy that you should look at another guy that you might also want to look at is clayton keller who signed to arizona today and he is another blue chip prospect that people are very excited about arizona plays four games next week i wonder if he could do something ryan posted about keller in our facebook group today and then cameron here's a quote he said Definitely a guy to discuss tonight. He's, in my opinion, the highest ceiling prospect out there. So huge words of praise for Clayton Keller. Arizona, just like Vancouver, they have nothing to play for except to see how their prospects can do. So I don't see why if they bring this blue chip guy up, why they don't put him in the top six, give him some power play time, see what he can do. So he's definitely also someone I would watch and maybe add if you're in a deep enough league where someone like that would be appealing.
1: Yeah, I know. Speaking of Cam, Elon, who called Besser, Cam loves Clayton Keller a lot from the way he values him when he's always talking trade on the patrons only Facebook group for his own dynasty team. It'd be really nice if Clayton Keller comes into Arizona and could be some immediate help for Verbata and Domi as they try very hard to make something out of nothing and put up points somehow in the desolate desert as it is now with Hansel gone. And I guess like it's really thin. Now that Hansel's gone, it's not a huge loss until you look at the rest of the lineup. They're currently playing with Christian Dvorak, who is okay, but not the blue chip prospect that Keller is. If you're not familiar with him, by the way, he was the seventh overall pick in this year's NHL entry draft. And he was rated an A for fantasy outlook by the good folks over at Dauber Prospects, who also say that he's a top line player size could be an issue but also might not be because he's got some really great talent and we're seeing some undersized players have some real success in the NHL lately
0: okay so yeah Besser and Clayton Keller I'll bet you at least one of them is going to do something over the rest of the season maybe it's a coin flip for which one it's going to be Jade's asking in the chat here how do you use IPP to evaluate a player I think it's a good question I could just answer really quickly the idea with IPP right it's the percentage of points that you're in on of all the points that were scored while you were on the ice. And I guess the idea is if you have a very low IPP, that might mean that you're having bad luck because there's all these goals happening while you're on the ice and you just happen to not be getting an assist. You usually have, right? Like a three out of five chance of getting an assist, maybe defenseman a little less. So we've talked about it in off-season podcasts. You could go back to some of our fantasy stats primers that we've done over the past couple of years but in general like players have their own IPPs that you can sort of just kind of rely on to be what their average is and then you could say whether or not they've been above or below their average but I think in general lower is good in terms of like you think the guy is going to bounce back and if it's too high you might think that oh this player is having too much luck they've gotten in on 90% of the goals while they've been on the ice that's probably not going to last
1: well said yes you look at what you would expect from a player it's almost like shooting percentage that way and there's like an acceptable range depending on the kind of player you are if you're an elite top level forward it's going to be like higher like 80 or 90% if you're an average forward it's going to be in the mid 60s if you're a defenseman it's going to be lower and then you can see if uh, if it spikes one year or drops another then you can expect a commensurate effect happening hopefully next year and everything correcting itself a good thing for yeah it's in our it's in our advanced stats
0: primers shows for sure and we'll definitely cover it over the season good question okay so let's move on to some injuries now we already mentioned gensel who was injured by ristolainen and then we mentioned him again we were talking about cameron's great projections but anyways he's injured which sucks he suffered a concussion at the hands of ristolainen early last week and of course that's very sad for him and his owners is the line of Gensel, crosby and shiri was really clicking before the injury i feel like at this point i really need to just search and see what is happening with connor shiri so let me search for shiri on twitter i will say i really like this feature on twitter where you can search just for verified users so you could sort of get just the tweets that are from people who are at least somewhat reputable and i'm seeing here Bunch of tweets about Shiri. Less than a week ago, Gensel, Crosby, Shiri was the best line in hockey. Now this... Okay, so people... Yeah. Oh, and now here's a tweet by Jason McKay at PG. Without Shiri, are going Kunitz, Crosby, Rust, Cullen, Rowney, Kessel. Oh my God. What a disaster. So I don't know yet how serious this Shiri injury is. But yeah, Gensel's injured. Now Shiri's injured. Obviously, you want people playing with Sidney Crosby. So if he's playing with Brian Rust and Chris Kunitz then maybe you go grab them though i wonder at what point crosby just can't carry these guys anymore but i was gonna say it was before i even knew that shiri was injured i was gonna say you might want to look at brian rust who was playing with shiri and crosby in the last game he's recently outjured by the way brian rust had been out for a long time in the last game rust played in 16 minutes and 19 seconds he had no points but four shots on goal and he had a plus one versus halak and the islanders so i don't know at this point malkin we don't even know his situation he wasn't back today he blocked that one shot and he's been out since then so i'll just say this pittsburgh plays next week on wednesday friday and sunday so those are some nice off day games actually sunday's a busy day but wednesday and friday might be good days to make a pickup so maybe on wednesday check out the penguins game day skate reports and who's playing with Sidney Crosby you who's playing on the top power play take a look if one of these names like a guy like Brian Rust is there maybe he's someone you might want to add someone who could maybe get an assist on a Crosby goal or something like guys like also Matt Cullen or Nick Benino. sometimes they slot into the top six maybe to play with Malkin if he's back or Crosby I guess Chris Kunitz who knows, man? We talk about the Penguins every week because they keep on having injuries. Latang is also still out. He was supposed to just be day to day, but he's been day to day basically for his whole life. I, I don't even know what to say. This is this is sad. I it, I feel bad for you. If you're a guy or a girl who was depending on Shiri and Gensel for your fantasy playoffs, just like bummer. What can I say? I'm someone who was depending on Chris letang early on in the couple, and obviously you see where that got me.
1: And I am relying on Chris letang in the league. I'm still alive in, hoping to beat you tonight. I won't. Flog that horse too much more often. And Elon, I believe the proper term is guy or gal. Uh, but I think I have a point that I can make on top of what you just said, which is I that, you. you know, as much as Gensel and Sherry have made it look as such, playing on the top line with Sidney Crosby is not a guaranteed ticket to producing points. Uh, Brian Rust is not Jake Gensel. So if he's there, you can't expect the same production. But at least Sidney Crosby is still Sidney Crosby. And also Kevin Shattenkirk is not Bobby Orr. So uh, just keep all that in mind. That was in reference to a really bad tweet when Kevin Shattenkirk
0: was traded to Washington. Cool. Yeah. So I could say more things about the Penguins, but who knows, right? They don't play till Wednesday. So you'll have to check in. Maybe we'll tweet something. Follow us on Twitter at Keeping Carlson. We'll try our best to help you out if we see some really exciting player. I don't even know. Like like you say, like Brian Rust playing with Crosby is great for Brian Rust, but still not as exciting as if he was playing with Crosby and Shiri. So. Who knows? Sad. Okay, another sad injury. This is really bad for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Frederick Anderson left the game versus Buffalo yesterday with an upper body injury. At the time that I was preparing for the show, there was no word yet on his status. Brian, maybe you could let me know or chat room let me know if you've heard anything about Frederick Anderson yet. Curtis McElhenney was not great in relief. He let in three goals on 22 shots. If Anderson is out long term, this is not good for the Leafs because Curtis McElhenney is not known to be a very good goalie. We were seeing a lot of posts on the Facebook group, especially from Ian saying that the Leafs were maybe mistaken in sending away Jonas Enroth because he's maybe someone you would want to rely on a little more than Curtis McElhenney at this point. Like McElhenney, he's had some great starts and he's had some brutal starts. He's not known to be a very good goalie. He's the kind of guy in fantasy you can add and maybe you'll get a good game out of him. But I feel like there's almost an equal chance that you're going to get a really bad game out of him and he's going to blow up your category. So if you're in a league that only counts wins, maybe it's time to jump on Curtis McElhenney because the Leafs are fighting for their lives. They're going to do whatever they can to try to get wins. I think there's a decent chance he could win at least half of his games, maybe more. But if you need to also worry about save percentage and goals against average, I'd be concerned because I don't think he's very good. I even wonder if McElhenney will be the starter if Anderson is out long-term. Like maybe someone like Antoine Bebo or Sparks or is Sparks even on the team? I know Bebo was called up at some point when there was an injury. So I don't even know. It's it's kind of a mess in Toronto. They were really depending on Frederick Anderson.
1: It's kind of a catch-22, Elon. If you're like, should you try and pick up McElhenney to get a win? Uh, The Leafs winning is going to be a harder task with McElhenney in net, which is why they better hope Frederick Anderson is okay. He nor Antoine Bibo are legitimate backup options, in my humble opinion. And I wonder if the Leafs regret trading away Jonas Enroth now, or Jonathan Bernier, for that matter, who has outplayed Jonas Enroth and kept him at bay in the Anaheim crease. But anyway, I still think Enroth would have been a better guy to have in your net than McElhaney if Anderson is out for any length of time. This could spell real trouble for Toronto, and I wouldn't add Michael Haney thinking that the Leafs have as good a chance to win with him in net as they did with Anderson. The good news for anyone who wants to try though, is if there's one coach in the league who can work to protect their goalie and make it better and play with a weak spot in net, I trust Mike Babcock to be one of those guys.
0: Yeah, so if you're desperate and there's no goalies available and you just lost Frederick Anderson, you maybe don't have a choice, yeah, grab McElhenney, but definitely no... If I wasn't giving warranties for Yaroslav Halak, I'm definitely not going to be giving you any warranties on Curtis McElhenney. Another goalie injury, Tuka Rask, is day-to-day with a lower body injury. He's expected to practice Monday, so he might not even be out long. But really, like, we already talked about how brutal he's been. Like, on our Facebook group, people were saying, oh, no, I'm so screwed if Tuka Rask is going to be injured. But, like, really, I think you were already screwed if you were depending on Tuka Rask. He's now down to a 9-10 save percentage. It just keeps dipping. Unfortunately, his backup on Basma, Ante Kodove, is rocking an 899 save percentage so there's not any good options there so I'm sure Rask will still get the majority of the games if he's healthy I mean on the bright side for Kudobin like he did have a nice game yesterday he stopped 18 of 19 shots in the 2-1 win over the Islanders at one point Brian I remember you were saying on the podcast that you thought Anton Kudobin could be a good goalie is there any chance if Tuka Rask is out long-term, which it's looking like he won't be. So this is more of a hypothetical maybe. But could Anton Kudobin be a fantasy playoffs MVP for someone who takes a chance on him? Like, obviously, you guys are going to be following the news and seeing if Tuka Rask will actually be out. kudobin has been so bad this year, but so was Eddie Lack. And then recently, Eddie Lack has heated up right at the right time. Another guy that Brian has loved over the years. You haven't loved Kudobin as much as you've loved Eddie Lack, but I still feel like you really thought Kudobin was a good goalie. Just curious to get your thoughts. Like, let's say if Rask is out and Anderson is out, who would you rather have between Kudobin and McElhenney to depend on for your fantasy playoffs? Well, the
1: common thread between Anton Kudobin and Eddie Lack is I also had Anton Kudobin taking over the starter's job from Cam Ward in Carolina. He failed to do so over two years, although in one of them, he posted a 926 save percentage, over 36 appearances. Uh, the next one, unfortunately, just a 900 save percentage. I think he's pretty capable NHL goalie. I would like him more than McElhaney. Unfortunately, I'm not sure I like... Well, no, I like the Bruins a little more than the Leafs. Coaching really does switch it. Like, if it was the Bruins with Julian, then I would definitely take Kudobin. Uh, Bruins with Cassidy makes me have pause for thought. Uh, he could be a playoff MVP, but I'm hoping... Like you can just go ahead and get Yaroslav Halak still rather than really bet on either one of these guys. But if I had to choose one, it'd
0: be Kudobin. And throw Eddie Lack into the mix. You'd go Lack, right? He's been really good. And Carolina has this insane schedule next week. So he'll play probably at least three games, at least two games, probably three games.
1: Absolutely. I would go Eddie Lack first. He's won five of his last six, including four straight wins, during which he's posted a 954 save percentage. And I bet the Canes are enjoying having reliable goaltending for the first time since the opening weeks of the season when Ken Ward was shocking us all with those huge performances. So yeah, Lack, definitely
0: top of the heap for me. Brian, how did you do that? I didn't even write in the doc that I was going to be asking about Eddie Lack. How did you know his stats? You love him so much. Have you memorized his stats over the last couple of weeks? You wrote his
1: name in bold in the show notes, and I took that as my cue. Did I?
0: Oh, maybe later? Oh. Yeah. Okay, well, you're very quick at scrolling. Good for you. Okay, another injury. Paul Stasny is week-to-week with a lower body injury, likely out for the rest of the regular season. So the St. Louis lines, aside from line one, were looking really sad in the 3-2 OT loss to Calgary yesterday. Pretty much the only line that's worth caring about on St. Louis looks to be Tarasenko, Schwartz, and Steen. Other than that, we've got Berglund, Pajarvi, and Perron which I guess is okay, and St. Louis does have a good Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday schedule, so you might want to look at, like, a Patrick Berglund if you're desperate. Then they have, like, Brodziak, Reeves, and Upshaw, and then Barbashev, Sanford. Sanford's actually someone who, you know, that's one of the players they got back in the trade for Shattenkirk, and he's had a couple of points, so he's been okay, and then Yakupov. But anyways, obviously... If you're looking at a player on St. Louis for this great schedule next week, you got to look at Tarasenko, Schwartz, and Steen. If you're in a shallower league, maybe one of them's available. I guess the most likely to be available is Alex Steen, who hasn't been great lately, unfortunately. <laughs> Brian, you wanted to chime in. Sucks. I tried
1: to okay. get in there in time. Alex Steen sucks.
0: <laughs> okay, it's yeah. Stinky. He's stinky. He's pointless in four games. But, you know, before those four games, he went on a nice run of two goals and four assists in six games. So he's clearly capable. Brian doesn't want to admit it because he's been burned by him, I guess. But he's capable of going on runs, and he's pretty much guaranteed to be on the top line and top power play with Paul Stasny and Fabry and Laterra all out. Like, St. Louis is thin enough that Steen is going to have every opportunity to score. It's just a matter of if he can take advantage of it. If Jaden Schwartz is available for you, he's someone I would definitely jump on, especially with the great schedule and the guaranteed Top line, top power play with Tarasenko. He's got two goals and six assists in his last 10 games on a very nice run. And that's the kind of guy you definitely want to add with also a great schedule in potentially your fantasy playoff finals. Brian, we added him in our, we actually dropped him going into this week. We had him all season long and then we dropped him because he only had Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. This week, we actually dropped him for Gensel at the start of the week. And then that roster spot has, of course, been replaced by someone else. But we ended up dropping, who was it? I think Evander Kane or something to, Grab Schwartz for next week again, all because of schedule. You got to play the schedule if you're going to win your league. Got to play the schedule, preferably
1: with Jaden Schwartz over Alexander Steen. Schwartz is actually, after a slow start, he's been able to pick it up quite well. He's been quite reliable as an owner of his. I have noticed such things. And Alex Steen has been unreliable lately, as always. Yes, there are little bursts here and there. And yes, he's in a great spot. So if you want to roll the dice on him for a day, great. If you want to roll the dice on him for a week, I feel like your chances are less. So, like, maybe you'll catch the one in three games in which he's good, but I wouldn't really hope that he produces for you consistently the whole way through. In his last 20 games, he has just three goals and five assists for eight points, less than half a point per game, and 33 shots on goal, which is like a shot and a half. This is a guy who we hope to get near three shots on goal this season. It hasn't worked out. And, Elon, like, it's so weird. Like, we... It seemed like the top nine in St. Louis wasn't enough to hold all these players. And yet here we are. They can barely fill their top six. And all along the way, we have Neil Yakupov, who was recently a healthy scratch. Does that spell the end for Neil Yakupov? If you're being scratched on a totally thin St. Louis Blues lineup, I just don't know what the future holds for that guy. If you still have him in a dynasty league for some reason, I think you can officially cut bait.
0: Yeah, I think that is news from like three or four months ago. I don't think we need to beat the uh, Yakupov dead horse. Let's go to Florida. Another injury. Yarmir Yager suffered a lower body injury halfway into the huge 7-0 win for the Panthers over the Blackhawks yesterday. Yager didn't return. I feel like at this point, you definitely need to drop Yager. I wouldn't wait to find out if he's going to be day-to-day or how long he's going to stay out. Like, if you don't hear anything by tomorrow, drop him for someone who's going to play tomorrow and help you right away. Because it's not as if Yager has been so amazing lately or anything. You know, Brian, if we drop Jake Gensel because he got injured... Obviously, there's no reason why people shouldn't be dropping Yarmir Yager. By the way, Yager, if he stays out till the end of the season, hopefully he won't, hopefully he'll come back, but if he doesn't come back, he's going to end the year with 41 points in 74 games. At one point, it looked like he'd be passing 50 points again, but now, obviously, not so likely, which is a shame. It would have been cool to see Yager just continually put up 50-plus point seasons for the next, like, 10 years until he's 50. So it looks like with Yager injured, Vanek got bumped up to play with Barkov and Huberdo for a bit, and he only had no, zero points even though the Panthers scored seven goals. So probably there were a lot of frustrated Vanek owners who saw the score first and then checked the box score. And we're like, where's Vanek in all these goals? But you know what, Brian? I'm not going to be the one tell the listeners to give up on vanik again we did that a couple of weeks ago and then he put up a four assist game so i think there's going to be another three or four assist game for vanik at some point so i I personally wouldn't be holding on to him i guess now i'm just totally hedging (laughs) yeah yeah i was just gonna say
1: elon and bright flashing lights add vanik add vanik And uh, I don't know that I'm going to let you off. Like, I know, I know. once bitten, twice shy, right? We were so wrong about him. And it was like a critical week at a critical moment. And we feel terribly about that. And now we have waived our right to comment on Thomas Vanek for the rest of the year. I would still, Elon, like, I agree with you. I think chances are slimmer that he can produce, but... Of course, with Yager out, that is opportunity for him to move into a better spot in the lineup. So maybe somebody you can look at as a potential depth contributor. Like I'd prefer him to Andrew Ladd for sure. And while we're on the Panthers, Elon, let's give a moment to give kudos to Jonathan Marchessault, who had gone three games without a goal only. And then he was able to put up five in his last two games. Five goals on 10 shots, none coming on the power play. So he's shooting 50% over that time but if you can score five goals over two games then i don't care if you're shooting 50 percent. like that's amazing good for you
0: yeah obviously there's going to be a lot of goals to go around when your team wins seven nothing and so got three of them it was all the big stars on florida barkov had a goal and two assists huber doe with a goal and three assists and then so with the hat trick none of these guys are available in your league most likely So hopefully they were on your roster and not your opponents for that game. And hopefully you didn't have Corey Crawford. And we'll get to him in a little bit. We're still on injuries. Uh, Patrick Sharp is out for the season. He's having hip surgery. He's going to end the season with 18 points in 48 games, which is just too bad. Uh, Anyone, he was still a guy who was probably drafted in most leagues. But at this point, he's going to be completely forgotten about in fantasy next year. I can't imagine, Brian, that if he comes back now after having hip surgery, that you're going to recommend anyone add him. He used to be a really valuable guy because he'd take a bunch of shots and he'd be pretty reliable to get 20, 30 goals. But that is the old Patrick Sharp. He's gone. Anyway, I guess with an injury like this, he's been on the top power play lately for Dallas. So you would think we should pay attention to see who takes his top power play spot. But, like, the Stars have been a disaster. I don't know if it's even worth looking into. You know, Normally we would also talk about who's playing with Ben and Sagan. But, like, even Ben and Sagan have been slumping lately with less than half-point per game over the past couple of weeks. I know Dallas played today. They actually got the win 2-1 to over New Jersey in overtime. And uh, Tyler Sagan scored the power play winning goal from Jamie Ben and Klingberg in overtime so that's nice for them obviously I would never say that you should drop them or even like worry too much about them if you have Ben and Sagan you should be confident that you'll be fine but I'm not going to say to jump on anyone that's going to be playing on their line or playing on the power play like, I'm just not there anymore like I could mention some Dallas guys for you just because people want to know so okay uh Adam Cracknell got a hat trick in the 6-1 destruction of Aaron and the Sharks on Friday I don't expect that to happen again. But, you know, let someone else grab Adam Cracknell, I assume. By the way, Brian, how many people's seasons were ended by that Dell spot start? He led in six goals. And a lot of people were really excited to grab Aaron Dell last week just because he had those two back-to-back games. They knew they'd get two games from Dell. And so I'm sure he destroyed a lot of people's seasons, which is sad. San Jose actually has... Another back-to-back this coming week against Edmonton and then Calgary. I wonder if people are going to risk starting Arundel again, or if, you know, someone who hasn't taken him yet, if they'd be willing to take the risk on him, even though he blew up that last game. You know, Martin Jones, by the way, has also been weak lately. He led in seven goals versus Nashville in the last game he played, and only now a nine thirteen save percentage on the season for Martin Jones Yeah, a lot of people think of him as like a really good top fantasy goalie. Maybe he's just an average goalie on a team that's usually great, but is right now struggling. I wonder if people should be afraid to play Martin Jones coming up. And speaking of San Jose, did you know that Brent Burns recently broke out of a seven game pointless streak? You don't see that very often, but I'm not too worried about him. He's gotten points now in his last couple of games. Brian, the depths I go to do not have to talk about the Dallas Stars.
1: You really went very far out of your way on a very circuitous route. And I'm going to go back Right to the start, just talk about Patrick Sharp just for a second. What a terrible year for him. Suddenly becoming a one-category guy. The shots were still coming in droves for him. Unfortunately, if you tried to get those shots from him, then he went and got injured on you. So that stinks. His shots moved this year from being primarily concentrated in the slot to coming from, like, all sorts of weird angles from the sides of the net. Just, like, along the length of the red line. So I feel like something changed in his game that I only noticed once I looked at those heat maps. So maybe uh, maybe we'll have some more insight for you on that later. Uh, then Adam Cracknell, he got power play time today. It's worth mentioning. And I think if I just my quick browse was accurate, he played the second most amount of minutes today than he had all year against New Jersey, which is like a safe thing to do against New Jersey. Of course. And then you wanted to mention Aaron Dell's breakdown. Yeah, and Crawford broke down. Freddie Anderson got injured. Martin Jones blew it. Like you said, Talbot blew it against Colorado as well earlier this week. So many goalie disasters in such a crucial week. Martin Jones specifically, it's still surprising, even though he has been worse lately. He's had just a 9.05 save percentage since January 5th. Just one game over five hundred too, with a 13-8-4 record. I'd start to wonder if he's a must start, but I feel like a lot of teams with Martin Jones, because he's such a workhorse, they're light on other goalies, so they might not have another choice, and then, Elon, I guess uh, I guess we're done, I guess that's through Dallas, Hemsky, you were going to talk about Hemsky, I don't know if you did, he's been okay, and he got a power play goal tonight,
0: yeah, so... Sure. The last thing I'll say about Dallas, let's say for the season, because they've been such a disappointing team. I definitely don't want to mention their goalies. If you start, actually, I guess if you started, who played today for Dallas and net, Kari Lettinen, you got a good game out of Kari Lettinen. You roll the dice, sometimes you get a good one, sometimes he blows you up, just like all these other goalies you've mentioned. Yeah, Hemsky, he had an assist versus San Jose in the previous game, and two goals the game before versus Chicago, so it's actually a nice little run for Alex Hemsky. Who knows if this is his last season, so it's nice that he could go off or at least end this year with a bit of a bang. He now has seven points in 13 games on the year, over half point per game pace. Maybe a good deep, deep add. I don't know, power play goal today, like you said. All right, let's move on to hot streaks, and let's definitely start in carolina we got, get ready strap in another five game week for the carolina hurricanes coming up so you know got to do it all over again i'm sure all of you who grabbed all of those hurricanes players a couple weeks ago you might have dropped them for their only three games this week on a tuesday thursday saturday schedule but you got to get them back especially the players on the line of aho elias lindholm and phil DiGiuseppe. and of course especially sebastian ahu and elias lindholm aho is on a six game point streak He has three goals and five assists in that span. And then Elias Lindholm is on a 10-game point streak with four goals and seven assists in that span. So both of these guys are coming into this five-game week hot. How could you not want them? I guess I'll give you one reason. It's a five-game week, which is great. But like I mentioned before, the Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday days are all very busy. So before you rush to grab a hurricane keep in mind that you're going to get a Monday game out of that player for sure, but check and make sure you'll actually be able to fit this guy in your lineup for all of the rest of these four other games. Cause the four other games are all on busy days, but regardless I feel like probably you would have to try to make room for Sebastian Ajo or Elias Lindholm because they've both been completely scorching and then Di Giuseppe obviously that's great that he's gotten upgraded to play on this line with these two red hot players and he hasn't produced yet in this new role but I'd imagine some points will trickle in over five games if he could stick with these guys and he's a big hits guy he gives you a lot of hits so if your league counts hits I would recommend taking a look at Phil Di Giuseppe Maybe I'll, I'll cut it to you, Brian. What do you want to say about this line? Like, these guys have been great. Is there any reason to expect Aho Lindholm to slow down? Maybe they won't continue this point streak over the next five games, but I expect at least a few points. Yeah, I don't see any real
1: reason to give up on either of those guys. If you have them or you can get them, they should be on your roster is what I'm trying to say for the big week. Victor Rask, of course, the other common name on the Hurricanes who might be desirable. Someone else who has not been a terribly common name, Over the last little while, even with all these games, Toivu Teravainen has been doing pretty well for himself lately. 10 points in his last 15 games in the form of four goals and six assists, seeing about 17 minutes a game. And he's averaging almost three shots per game, 40 shots over 15 games. So that's that's, that's a good depth Hurricanes add. If everyone's distracted by the nice, shiny Carolina Hurricanes, this is one guy who can still help you that might be a free agent flying under the radar.
0: Yeah, and then we already talked about Eddie Lack. Definitely consider adding him. I'm not afraid of him anymore. I think he might even be a smart start. Don't add cam ward though he's still a guy i'd be very afraid of and hopefully caroline but they can't they have to play ward because they're playing five games in a week but hopefully they'll be smart and play lack in like three of them but also you'd want him to be rested so he doesn't blow up your numbers another team has five games this week and that's the nashville predators which is great news for all of you johansson neil forsberg arvidson yosi and suban owners you're gonna get a bunch of points because they're all doing really well arvidson's been fantastic he's the one who maybe was available to you in free agency throughout the year whoever Added him he must be one of your mvps brian we have him in our joint league i'm very excited for his five games next week a couple i mean i guess though since Nashville has five games we have to wonder like is there anyone else worth considering that could be a free agent in standard leagues craig smith might be someone that people are looking at he has seven assists in his last five games but i think that's going to be a bit of a paper tiger like he's only playing 12 and a half minutes per game and he's on a line with colin wilson and sissons and he's not taking many shots So, I think I'd steer clear of Craig Smith. Like, at least he used to be a guy you could rely on to get a lot of shots. And that's good in the five day week. Even if he just takes a couple shots a game, that adds up to a lot of shots compared to someone playing just three games in a week. But, you know, if you think he's going to get a lot of assists on that line, I think that was like lucky that he got them, but I don't see it happening. Maybe a guy who might be available, even probably not. Ryan Ellis has three goals and two assists in his last four games. And none of those points actually came in the big 7 2 win over San Jose. He had five blocks in that game, but no points, which is actually kind of nice that he's able to get these points even not on these crazy games so i think ellis is definitely worth adding for a couple of points and a good number of blocks over five games if you could get him like is there anyone else you'd consider looking at on nashville or is that it's basically you either have these star players or you just forget about them
1: those are the ones you can rely on i own three of those forwards and johansson forsberg and arvidson i built my team to win this finals week so i hope i get there uh colin wilson I'm just going to point out, you asked for other names, uh, he also has seven points in his last eight games, so maybe there's something to that line he's on with Craig Smith. Of course, five of those seven points came over the last two games, which included that seven-goal blowout. So prior to those big point nights, he had a much more reasonable two points in six games, which is fairly reflective of a season-long point total. Half point per game from any of these guys, any depth national player is a much more reasonable expectation, but that still could put someone like Colin Wilson or Craig Smith ahead of, say, a 50-point forward who's only going to play twice or thrice for you over the course of the week. Kelly Yarncrock also has six points in his last nine games as a real deep cut.
0: Yeah, but again, just like I said about Carolina, make sure don't just get blinded by five games Check how many games you'd actually get the player into your roster. I wanted to mention Pavel Zasha as a guy on a hot streak. He had a six-game assist streak broken in the 3-1 Devils loss to Carolina yesterday. New Jersey played again today. And Zasha didn't get anything today. So now it's two straight games without a point. So I don't know. He still is obviously clearly the guy who can get you some points since he had a six-game assist streak recently. The Devils only play Tuesday, Friday, Saturday of next week. So maybe someone to consider, like not now, but maybe come Friday, if you're in a super deep league, maybe you take a look at Pavel Zasha for a couple of games on Friday and Saturday. I don't know. Wanted to mention it since he went on a hot streak. Probably not. Probably don't worry about him.
1: Yeah, I considered adding him as a spot start today. Uh, What turned me off, though, is that he doesn't get a lot of shots. So if he gets no points, which is a very possible thing for him, it means he offers you nothing at all. But we have seen short runs from him before. Like, this little streak wasn't his first, so you could roll the dice on him. He'll be an interesting guy to watch over the next couple of years to see how much
0: more of an offensive player he can develop into. Okay, and then maybe I'll mention a couple of hot streaks of guys that aren't available in your league. But just worth mentioning, Ryan L. on Facebook has been making fun of me for not being so into Leon Dreisaitl earlier in the year. I mean, how much longer until we could get over the fact that we missed this? Like, yeah, we blew it. We said that we weren't into Leon Dreisaitl. I mean, he was playing with Pooley Harvey, like, on the third line at the time. He didn't seem too exciting But since then, he's moved up to play with Connor McDavid, and he's just amazing, right? He's on a seven-game points streak right now in which he's picked up four goals and 10 assists in seven games. 14 points in seven games. Insane. Yeah. Drysaddle's really good. He's also on the top power play. Pat Maroon has gone pointless in two games after putting up four goals and three assists in his previous five. But don't give up on Pat Maroon. I feel like he's always a threat to put up points playing on the McDavid and Drysaddle line, though Edmonton actually also has a weak schedule next week so make sure you'd be able to fit him in i, I don't know what can i say leon drysaddle it's really good ryan i'm sorry i feel like it wasn't even me though i feel like it was brian who convinced me that I, like remember last year when Settle was doing so amazingly i was the one on the podcast being so excited and saying oh my god is this like a hundred point player like maybe i wasn't going that crazy but i was excited about him brian calmed me down he calmed me down so much that i was with him in saying you could probably have better options than Settle since he's not playing with mcdavid and now look we're we're both bums
1: Yeah, if anyone whiffed on Dreisaitl, I'm willing to say that it was me. After last year, we still weren't sure. I said Taylor Hall was a big part of it. I think he has gotten legitimately better this year. And of course, it doesn't help that he is established now on McDavid's line. Earlier in the year, I was still cool to him because I was saying, well, what happens when he stops playing with Connor McDavid? And that eventuality never materialized. So uh, yeah, he's been doing great. And I think he's been looking great, too. Like, he's not just a hanger-on. I think he's been a really great player. So, sorry to tie a bow on that. Now we like Dreisaitl. Everybody knows now that we like him. So, um, let's operate with that assumption going forward. And uh, Patrick Maroon, only one shot in those two scoreless games, too. That's a real bummer uh, for anyone who was really trying to rely on him. Four hits in those games, which is okay. But when he's not putting up points and playing on that line, It's a real disappointment if he doesn't help you in the peripherals, which he hasn't been. So he could be a candidate to drop if he's somebody that you're not going to be able to get into your lineup on a busy night.
0: Yeah, he's actually the guy we dropped for Jaden Schwartz to get him in for next week in our big finals matchup. And since we're on Edmonton, of course, Connor McDavid, he's pulled ahead in the Art Ross race. He's up to 88 points in 75 games. Crosby is next with 82 points in 68 games, which is so impressive considering we're talking about so many fewer games. But still, 88 to 82 with only a couple weeks left. And we're talking about Connor McDavid, who I don't see slowing down. I think unless something crazy happens, I think McDavid has got this in the bag any chance that McDavid can get 12 points in his last seven games and hit 100 points on the year? It's no fun if there's not at least one player getting 100 points. Last year, Patrick Kane did it. Why can't Connor McDavid? No reason. Absolutely there's a chance.
1: Especially if he keeps playing on a line with the amazing Leon Draisaitl.
0: <laughs> okay, there. R- Ryan, is that enough for you? And then another hot streak of a guy that you definitely can't get. But I wanted to mention another goal today for Eric Stahl. I'm going to call it, Brian. Does Eric Stahl have the best bounce back season of the year so i'm talking a guy who used to be good then had some bad years one or more bad years and now a huge bounce back i feel like eric Stahl is the guy i'm thinking maybe henrik zetterberg might be in the conversation but Stahl is up to 58 points in 75 games this is a guy who was like a 40 point guy last year totally useless now he's like the main center on minnesota and he's been fantastic for anyone who grabbed him a lot of people probably were even able to grab him as a free agent Earlier in the season. So that was definitely a smart pickup for you if you made that ad early on. And here's a little secret
1: don't expect him to necessarily repeat it next year. I know it's a great story, and I've been really on board with the whole Eric Saul resurgence. We felt like he needed to get out of Carolina, and then we quickly realized he also needed to get out of New York, and he landed in a place that appreciates him. However, his shot rates are still declining for the third straight year. I should clarify his shot attempt rates are in decline. But his shooting percentage, his individual shooting percentage doubled this year over the last two. It's up to 13 percent. So he got a few more goals than he probably should have. But hey, not to take anything away from him. A great year from Eric Stahl. And I still think next year in Minnesota will still be better than he would have been able to put up in Carolina
0: okay well there's a discussion for the summer series i'm sure we're going to be bringing up eric Stahl as one of our players who scored a lot more points than we expected going into the year dustin in the chat room is mentioning bobrovsky as someone who maybe had the best bounce back season yeah it's a good candidate he was really brutal last year and Corpusala was stealing starts this year bobrovsky has been one of the best definitely a good point there Let us know, tweet at us, at Keeping Carlson, if you think of any other player who maybe is in the running for the best bounce-back season of the year, aside from Stahl, Zetterberg, and Bobrovsky. Let's go to some cold streaks to end the show, Brian. We already talked about this, but let's just mention it again. Two huge losses and games where he got pulled for Corey Crawford last week likely cost many of his owners their chance at the Fantasy Hockey Finals. Most of Crawford's games have been one or two goals against lately, but the four goals against versus Florida yesterday and Vancouver on Tuesday must have really smarted. I'm curious to know, do you have faith in Crawford to bounce back over the next two weeks? Like, Who do you think you would prefer to have if you could have one of the two, Corey Crawford or Martin Jones? Two guys who people have been depending on all year and are really blowing it for them right now.
1: I'm going to take Corey Crawford. After being amongst the league leaders in safe percentage for a good chunk of the year, he's fallen out to 12th in the category. His even strength strengthening percentage is still in the top 10, but there's no glossing over the fact that he is a 9-10 goalie in his last 27 games. He's still gotten the win, though, in 17 of those, thanks to the team in front of him reciprocating all the times that he carried them on his back, although he still has been doing well. like He's had plenty of great starts. Unfortunately, they've been offset and interspersed by some really terrible starts, too. Uh, Corey Crawford, though, is a good... NHL goalie I would like to think that he can put up an above average save percentage just by a bit uh, the rest of the way I don't know what's happening in San Jose like the one thing that I like more about Crawford is that his highs have been higher than Jones and he's got more wins while Jones like I mentioned earlier has struggled to stay above 500 so yeah I would take Crawford between the two as the goalie
0: I would choose to bounce back by the way Matthew Perot, power play goal. So just add that to our discussion from before about him. I definitely take him over Brian Little for next week. By the way, I'm not sure if I said that in the discussion or if I just asked you, but that would be my pick. And I would have said that even before the power play goal that he just scored. Okay, Brian, to end the show, we're in the cold streak section. I thought instead of us having to do work, patron Kyle in our patron-only Facebook group asked a question earlier this week. He said, is it time to punt Felino? Can we start a conversation on what players should be dropped at this point in the season? And then he said, Radulov, O'Reilly, And so I thought, instead of me coming up with players on cold streaks, I could just go through what the patrons suggested. A lot of patrons answered this thread and gave their suggestions of players that it's time to drop. So I'm just going to list you the players the patrons suggested, add a little color, give you some stats, and then, Brian, maybe you could let me know if you think that you agree with the patron or if you think that this player should be still held on to but i guess overall the overarching theory here is that this is the time in the year where you could be short-sighted at the beginning of the fantasy season brian's all about no you have to look at big long sample sizes to see a player don't make rash decisions based on a week of no points but at this point it's like if a player's on a cold streak you might just have to drop him especially if he has a bad schedule why hold on when you could grab someone out of free agency that is producing you don't want to be holding on to a guy who's doing nothing just because he has a big name and then get eliminated when you're a matchup away from the finals or in the finals so brian what do you think we're just going to go through these guys and then we'll give our thoughts
1: i think that's a great idea well thank you (laughs) okay you're welcome (laughs) now get to the list already
0: all right so Nick Foligno, he's pointless in four games. In the last game, he was playing with Hartnell and Wenberg, which is nice playing with Wenberg, I guess, but he has kind of cooled down. And Hartnell, you know, he's Scott Hartnell, not the guy he used to be. Actually, Bjorkstrand was injured and that led to some line shuffling. So who knows where Foligno will be moving forward. But regardless, pointless in four, I feel like, yeah, let him go. He's not producing. Pointless in four is being nice to Nick
1: Foligno. In his last 24, he has six goals and two assists for eight points. Garbage. He saw 60 shots, which has been nice. And he's peppered in a couple of hits here and there, but he's not been the very valuable multi category guy that he had been for most of the season at the most critical time. Also, minus seven, if that means anything to you. Uh, really, you know, just as we were maybe getting cozy with the idea that on a really talented or deep Columbus team, Foligno could be a consistent. I don't know, 60 plus point guy, here he is going cold again and giving me more reason to doubt that what we saw earlier in the season was really real, that he could be, you know, a 73 point player again. I still don't think so. I still see him as a sub 60 guy. I would just wish he'd play as a 60
0: plus guy for one more week. That's all I need. The next player Kyle suggested was Radulov. And he only has two assists in his last seven games since returning from his injury. He's playing with Pacioretty and Dano and on the top power play, which, which should be good. But like I said, two points in seven games since returning from injury. So there's another guy I think is definitely in line for a potential cut. If you could get like a Matthew Perot for him, who's on fire.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Like I would drop Nick Foligno for Matthew Perot before I dropped Radulov. I've held Radulov all year in a league where I think it's really cost me an extra 20 points would have gone a really long way. He's been so cold since the start of the year. The thing that makes a lot of people want to hang on to him is he's talented. He's so talented and he's had big games out of nowhere. And you just think, okay, if I wait one more game, he's going to get two or three points in a game and make me forget about the last five. We're still waiting on that to happen though. He's gone a long time without one now and uh, it's definitely okay. If you have lost patience
0: by the way, before we get back to this list, philadelphia is beating pittsburgh five to two today and a lot of people in the chat room brian included is saying oh he thinks it's funny that philly always beats pittsburgh i guess yeah but come on like pittsburgh has a whole bunch of injuries like they are not the real pittsburgh penguins right now i feel like if you have a goalie next week playing against the penguins and you might generally be concerned about starting that goalie against the penguins i feel like if there's any week to play that goalie it's this week if they don't have malkin or Sheary or gensel or Latang, like how many how many goals can they score crosby can't do it all on his own okay Back to the list. Ryan O'Reilly is the third player that Kyle mentioned. This one I'm going to take issue with, okay? He had one goal and one assist yesterday. He has eight points in his last 10 games. I already mentioned this recently. Why is everyone always wanting to drop Ryan O'Reilly? He's good. And he's producing. I feel like he has one or two pointless games. And people decide, oh, should I drop Ryan O'Reilly? Like, I say no. No. Don't drop him. Okay, he does have a weak schedule next week. They only play Monday, Tuesday, Sunday. So I already said maybe after Monday and Tuesday you could drop him, but that's not because I think he's bad. That's just because you might as well get people who are actually going to be playing games. But no, I say no to Ryan O'Reilly. Don't drop him because he's bad.
1: I also say no to dropping Ryan O'Reilly. As we talked about at the top of the show, Kyle is back. That's good news for the whole Sabres top six, including Ryan O'Reilly. So you should probably hang on to him. I don't know why a lot of people are so ambivalent Towards him, and you know, like he gives a lot, and sometimes he goes cold. But on the whole, he's a good guy to have. I would hold on through to the end of the season.
0: I really just don't get it. He's great. I say always hold on to him and draft him high next year. He gets you shots. He's on the ice all the time. He's on top power play, and he's a solid like sixty-five point guy. Okay, Landeskog. So Ian suggested Gabriel Landeskog. I feel like you're two months late on that one. Like you should have dropped Landeskog a long time ago. I'm embarrassed that it took me so long to drop him in my league against you, Brian. He only has one assist in his last nine games for sure for sure, let go of Landeskog.
1: Absolutely. We've been harping on this all year. Landeskog is not worth holding. Let go. Even in a keeper format, I wonder if your league mates are getting to the point where they're not interested in a drop Landeskog, because where is the sunlight in Colorado? I don't know. I don't know where the light at the end of this current tunnel is. It's definitely not coming within the next two
0: weeks. Okay, then we had three players in a row from Anaheim mentioned, so I'll say them all. Chris suggested Cam Fowler. He had one assist versus Winnipeg on Friday, but only four assists in his last nine games overall. He's still on the top power play. Half point per game approximately is okay for a defenseman. But yeah, if you could get someone who was better, I agree that you probably shouldn't be expecting too much from Fowler. Anaheim's playing today against the Rangers. It's currently 2-1 to one for the Rangers in the first and Patrick Eve scored a goal. Oh, assisted by um, Fowler and Ryan Getzlaff. Oh, man, so that's two games in a row with points for Fowler. Chris, did you drop him? And are you regretting it now? Eh, I don't know. Now I'm not so sure. I mean, if he's producing he, and he's on the top power play, maybe you do hold on to him. And then Ryan Kessler. Chris also said him. He said if faceoffs aren't counted, you could probably drop Kessler. He had one assist also versus Winnipeg. And he had one goal and two assists in a game versus Washington on March 12th. But aside from that, he has no points in any of his last 10 games. So... That one, I definitely could get more behind. Maybe it's time to let go of Ryan Kessler if you're not benefiting from his peripherals. And then Brad brought up the big guns. Corey Perry, also on Anaheim. So he had a goal versus Winnipeg. It's like all these guys who were saying had a point against Winnipeg. And then Perry also had two goals and assists in that game versus Washington on March 12th. But aside from that, also pretty much nothing aside from those games. So he's maybe also someone you can let go of. He's just not producing. None of them are producing, except for now Cam Fowler, apparently.
1: Yeah, they also play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday next week. So they might not be your first choices to play in your lineup with how cold they've been. I feel like there's still production to come from either of them. They play against Sunday. If you're still in dire straits, you can always re-add them. I I don't know. I'm a little hesitant to say to drop those guys. It, It depends on who else you have. One guy that I would drop before them, Sammy Vatanen has gone back to doing nothing. So if you added him while he was taking shots and getting a couple points and doing just a little bit for you. He's now back to doing, like I said, nothing. So forget about Semibatinin as well. I'll add him to the list of ducks that you are okay to be impatient with, but he should also be the first one you
0: drop of the bunch. So, Brian, Patrick Eves scored that goal today. I'm trying to make a decision for us in our joint league. I want to drop someone to pick up Richard Panic, who's got Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I want to drop one of these guys who play Tuesday, Thursday, that we won't get in our lineup. I was planning on it being Eves. Now that he's scored today, oh, it's so hard to decide. These are the tough decisions, people. Like, we could also drop David Backus, but he's on that top line, and he gets hits, and this is – anyway – Okay, people don't care about that, but maybe they do. Okay, last guy on this list. from Oh, no, there's two guys left on this list from the Facebook thread. Uh, Brett suggested Ryan Suter. He scored yesterday versus Vancouver, but he only has two points in his last 10 games. Minnesota played today against Detroit. If I were a betting man, I'd say Suter did not get a point. I'm correct. He did not. So make that 11 games. He's been such a bust this year. Like He had a really great hot start and then has done nothing over the past like couple of months. I agree. You could definitely let go of Ryan Suter in most formats.
1: Yes, agreed. And we know how much you hate him personally because of the deal you made that really did not work out in your favor. So sorry about that. Uh, goodbye, Ryan Suter.
0: And then last on the list, another one of Brian's favorites, Jacob Voracek suggested by a guy named jacob and uh yeah voracek has only one goal one assist in his last eight games though philly played today and i'm pretty sure that in this 6-2 win over pittsburgh i saw voracek on the score sheet he had a goal so that's nice I mean, obviously, if you're dropping Jacob Voracek, it's because you're in a very shallow league, one of these leagues where you have a lot of superstars, or not superstars, but, like, good-producing top six, potentially top power play guys in free agency. You know, you get these questions, Brian, we get these questions with guys like Stepan or whatever in free agency. So maybe in a league like that, you can consider dropping Jacob Voracek yeah, he had a good game today. He scored a goal, but like I said, it's against a very depleted Pittsburgh Penguins team. Aside from that, Philly has been having some trouble scoring lately, and Voracek has definitely been one of the guys who has been snake bitten.
1: As down on Voracek as you might be, keep in mind he has 56 points in 74 games, not counting tonight's results. So he's got a good shot at being a 60-point forward, and I know you'd hope for more from Jacob Voracek, especially. Uh, considering the amount that I always like him and pump him up as having been a point per game guy in the past. Maybe those days are now behind him, especially on a struggling Philly team. Things need to change in Philadelphia, though. And I was going to say the same thing about Dallas earlier. We need coaching changes in both these cities. And then once that happens, we'll get a new look at what these guys can do. For
0: now, though, I think you need to keep Jacob Voracek. He's a threat to score each and every game. And Brian, I think that might be it for all the advice we have for you going into potentially your fantasy hockey finals or your semifinals. If your league goes all the way to the end of the season. So at this point, good luck. I hope that we've given you enough to help you. Definitely feel free to tweet at us at keeping Carlson. I actually booked the day off of work tomorrow because I want to be available to answer tweets. I feel like last Monday, we really dropped the ball and I wanted to take a vacation day for a while anyway. So tweet at us at keeping Carlson. If you're making any like weekly lineup decisions, I'll be there to try to help you out. And yeah, good luck to you. There are unfortunately some teams that won't be continuing their fantasy seasons because they've unfortunately been eliminated. And we asked on Twitter and in our patreon only Facebook group for people to submit the names of the teams that have been eliminated so we can pay tribute to the great seasons they had and the sad losses they have incurred. At this point, you know, last week we were naming teams so that could have included teams that didn't even make the playoffs. These are teams that had a chance to win, that got eliminated in maybe a semifinals. So sad, Brian, why don't we cue our sad team music and let's go ahead and start reading off the names of the teams that were eliminated. Why don't you start?
1: Brooks like we made it. I'm a little Shania Tween for you there. And that's the last time I will ever do anything remotely similar to singing on the show.
0: <laughs> it's more relevant than Spoon. Anyways, <laughs> Snow Goons.
1: To use two K's, two points. Which is apparently something Jack Edwards says when the Bruins win with Tuka in net. Incredibly corny yet awesome, says the person with that team name. I guess they would think so since they named their team after it. But their team was not awesome enough to win. Sorry.
0: Raccoon McJesus. Sod boys. week, my testicles. Hmm. Classy.
1: Along that line, going in dry sidle.
0: All right. Risky Brizness. Is that a Brizgalov reference? Is there any other player it could be? I don't know. I feel like if you had Brizgalov on your team, then you didn't have much of a shot this year. Right, right. First mistake. Uh, Hat Illusions. Do you get that? It's an
1: Arrested Development reference? I
0: have to rewatch.
1: Okay, yeah, me too. I have to rewatch everything because I don't retain anything. Okay, keep going. Good.
0: Good show. Oh, she can you see... Eric Holla et your boy. Boats and Hosas. Jack to the future. Now on to our patrons who lost teams. Carly's Angels. Get the Falkhoff and I'll have a Colt 45. Oh no, Colton, you lost three teams. That's that. That's a rough week. Uh, the Big Pavelskis. I
1: won the first round after finishing second. What a letdown.
0: Damn. I came in like a... That is so good.
1: I don't get it. It's a Miley Cyrus reference. I came in like a wrecking ball.
0: I came in like Rovetsky bow. Oh, I guess I didn't pronounce it right. I'm glad you did that. Okay, I'll go again. One, two, punch. Russian rockets. Mighty Matildas. That's Jade here saying they are likely done. And from seeing what she's been saying in the chat room during the show, I think that they are done.
1: Cool. Matt does it. So congratulations to all those teams who have kept your names off that list. If you have by chance won your league by now, you can send us your name too, and we'll celebrate you on our winner's circle starting next week. I think we'll definitely be able to do that. And also, if you lost, you can also write us if you missed out on this
0: opportunity. So sad, Brian, and I'll add one more name to the list. The best keeping Carlson host.
1: <laughs> can, you, can you legitimately call yourself that now that you lost? I don't think that makes you the best Keeping Carlson host.
0: I was just too focused on preparing our podcast.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're definitely listeners first, your own team second. Of course. Yeah.
0: But okay. Thanks to everyone for tuning in to this week's episode. I hope you liked it. I hope you found some good nuggets in there. Let us know what you think. Tweeted us at Keeping Carlson. Like I said, I'll also be answering your fantasy hockey questions all throughout tomorrow to try to help you going into your final or semifinals weeks. If you really like the show, you know, it's not too late to help us out. It probably like goes in one ear and out the other by now. But if you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes, please, come on. It's easy. And it helps us out. So maybe consider doing that. You could also consider becoming a patron of Keeping Carlson. We're going to have our last in regular season patron cast this Wednesday at 8 p.m. It's a show just like this. We do it live, except the patrons provide all of the questions. And we're forced to answer anything they ask us, fantasy hockey related or otherwise and even if you can't make it to that show you get a copy of the show afterwards and you can of course submit your questions so it's a lot of fun it's gonna be this wednesday at eight sign up to be a patron it's only five dollars per month you can even sign up for just one month get our advice join our patron only facebook group have access to our patron cast if you're at all interested keepingcarlson.com slash patron but with that brian let's cue the outro music and why don't you go ahead and read us the credits
1: all right this episode of the keeping carlson fantasy hockey podcast was presented by dabber hockey and supported by our patrons it was researched with help from dabber hockey dabber prospects frozen pool corsica hockey hockey analysis hockey reference hockey database elite prospects roto world and fan
0: by the way kessler just scored a power play goal so can we just take back any advice we gave uh
1: yeah definitely keep kessler
0: <laughs> great job as always brian And I'm looking forward to doing this all again next week, 8 p.m., Sunday night, keepingcarlson.com slash live.
1: Eastern time. Until then, keep on keeping Carlson.